0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is Healing Out Loud, an interview with actor and life coach Jackie Shea. My name is Richard Johannesson. I'm Matt Sabatello. Today, we're talking with the coach to the chronically ill, Jackie Shea, about how she got started educating people and helping people on on their healing journey with Lyme disease and chronic illness. Welcome, Jackie Shea.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Jackie Shea is a physically, intellectually, and spiritually gifted young woman with many accomplishments in her 31 short years. She's an actress that has appeared in movies, on television, and in commercials. Her Theatrical credits are many, and they include appearances in productions like Sylvia, Women of Manhattan, and Pomo Sex Rom. In addition to her accomplishments as an actress, Ms. Shea has tackled chronic illness as a wellness and life coach blogger, and host of her own podcast, Healing Out Loud. In this capacity, Mache has created a support system for people who are experiencing chronic illness so that they do not feel isolated and alone. Mache also gives friends and family of the chronically ill tools to communicate with their sick loved ones. Mache was diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2013, and the experience was so emotionally and physically intense that her healing journey required her to first face and overcome pre-Lyme issues that included depression and anxiety. Because of Lyme, Michelle was inspired uh, and has successfully uh, become Lyme-free during her healing journey, which uh, which required her to heal her entire self and then create a safe place where she could coach and
2: teach her healing-related life lessons to others struggling with chronic illness. Michelle, thanks again for joining us on our podcast today. We're honored to have you. We'd like to jump into some questions and start with if you can describe what your life was like before you suffered from Lyme disease and had your tick bite in 2013.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It was, first of all, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, it was my life. There's this great image of me um, pretty much like right before I got this by a tick where I'm sitting at my work desk in my apartment and, um, In L.A. at my apartment then, and I had my rollerblades on at the same time, and I had my rollerblades kind of like propped up onto the desk. My legs kind of kicked over the desk as I was typing on the computer and working. And that's like the image I used to describe what my life was like. It was go, 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 never doing one thing at a time, like working and then getting up to like rollerblades somewhere. I know it's not the 90s. I was, you know, I was into that. And um, I didn't take any quiet time. I went from thing to thing. I hustled. I was actually so busy, uh, but not getting a lot done, which is partially because I am an adrenaline addict, which actually comes from trauma. There's a, there's a real reason I'm an adrenaline addict and had been and needed so much distraction. But, yeah, that's what my life was like. I was acting. I was waitressing. I was hanging with friends. I was going to my support groups. I was outside every day by the beach doing rings, rollerblading. Doing tra- I was doing trapeze right before I got sick, and that was really fun, um, that was my life.
2: Shea, were you aware of the tick problem in your community prior to getting sick? Were you aware of how, how dangerous ticks could be and, and, and what diseases they can give you?
1: No. I am from New York City and we spent a lot of time in Connecticut with family growing up. So when I would go to Connecticut as a as a child, we would do tick checks later in the day. So I knew there were ticks in Connecticut. And I knew there were ticks in the Northeast. I moved to Hawaii in 2010. I moved to Los Angeles in 2012. And on the day that I got bit by a tick, I was in the woods, like essentially rolling around in piles of leaves. And when I left the woods that day, I thought to myself, huh, if there was ever a day to check for ticks, this would be the day. Immediately followed by the thought, there are no ticks in Southern California, and I did not check.
2: Wow. So did you, did you, you eventually discover the tick that bit you that day?
1: I did not. I yeah. got a rash. No, I did not. I got a rash. I started getting a rash 10 days later, which is prime time, and that rash went on for two weeks before I was willing to go to the doctor. And, so we, you, you know, had... we discovered
0: Jackie, did you did you have
1: the the classic bullseye rash? I had almost the classic bullseye rash, not classic enough that as it came in, I knew I thought I knew it was Lyme disease because I did know about the bullseye rash, but it it came on kind of gradually, and it was also painful, and it was spread all over my body, which. You know, these are just things I didn't know, and I didn't know about co-infections like Bartonella. So I also had Bartonella rashes on my body, and I didn't know what those were. So, no, it was, it was classic. And then at some point, like, like maybe a week into the rash, the center of my main rash started to clear, and it became a sort of deformed bullseye rash. And when I went to urgent care, finally, because I was just distraught, nothing was helping with these rashes, and they were causing me pain, and they were just spreading every day. They were getting worse. And this urgent care doctor that I just got so lucky to land with said, have you been in the woods lately? And I knew exactly what he was going to say. And I knew exactly the moment that it happened.
2: Wow. So, Michelle, it sounds like your your first doctor that you visited um, initially thought of Lyme disease, and that was the first thought. Which I think you're very lucky in that regard, because many people it takes many, many different doctor visits, and many specialists to get a proper diagnosis. So, is that correct that your first primary care doctor you went to visit actually thought of Lyme and and uh, found your diagnosis for you?
1: I got so lucky. Yes, it was an urgent. It was no. First, I went to and because I didn't have insurance at the time. I was 26. You know, Obamacare wasn't, it was just about to come in another way. I got really lucky. I just didn't have insurance. I didn't care. So I didn't know what to do, which is partially why I waited so long to go to the doctor in the first place. I didn't have money. Um, So my friend took me to his acupuncturist and herbalist, and that herbalist took a look at my rash. I was in tears. I mean, I was deeply distraught. And that, he looked at my, all my rashes and said things like, this is my acupuncturist to this day, and I love him. But he was like, could be syphilis, <laughs> could be this thing, could be that thing. I don't know. He was like, take this these, me- this medication for skin, and it will clear up in two days. If it doesn't clear up in two days, then you need to see a doctor. It didn't clear up. It only got worse. I did everything he told me to do, and he was like, go see a doctor. So I drove to urgent care, and, yes, I was Deeply, profoundly lucky that I happened to land with this one doctor who happened to believe in Lyme disease, and happened to know that there was Lyme disease in Southern California, and it was the first thing he said, he suggested to me. So, Michelle,
2: when you went to the urgent care doctor, did did he diagnose you clinically, or did he run a blood test to confirm your Lyme disease?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and that's where it gets. Um, you know, it becomes a more common experience that people have. He believed in Lyme disease, and he looked at my rashes and thought I had it, but then he ran a PCR blood test. And I was told, if I had Lyme disease, no matter what, this blood test would detect it. And then he gave me a steroid shot because he said, uh, you know, it could, be, it, could, it could be an allergic reaction. So he said, I'm going to give you this steroid shot. If it helps with the rashes, then it's not Lyme disease. So you don't even have to wait for those blood test results to come in. He said, you'll probably be really jittery for the rest of the day. He gives me the steroid shot. I knew from the moment he said Lyme disease that it was Lyme disease. Like I had no doubt. I knew in my body that that's what it was. So I left that office. And I was so deeply fatigued that the steroid shot did nothing to me. I got home. I fell asleep. Nothing happened to the rashes. And the PCR test absolutely did come back negative. But in that time period, I had done enough research because I knew in my gut that it was lying to know that that PCR was not reliable.
2: So, Michelle, for our listeners, I'm just going to explain the PCR process. So, Typically, like when I got my first Lyme test, it was a test, a blood test, that looks for antibodies that develop in response to the Lyme bacteria, and that's more of an indirect blood test. Uh, the PCR test that you're referring to is actually analyzing your blood and looking for the Lyme DNA, which is a better test, and it still came back negative, and it still yields a lot of uh, false negative tests. Is that, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Wow, and also another observation is that he prescribed you steroids, your urgent care doctor, which I've learned, and I actually was prescribed steroids as well, and have since learned that steroids just further weakens and, uh, you know, takes your immune system down and it suppresses your immune, immune system It allows the Lyme bacteria to thrive even more. So that's sort of something that can make it even worse. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that he thought Lyme and then also prescribed you steroids to see if it was something else, um, which, which cre- probably creates a greater likelihood of, of, uh, of a chronic disease. Right, right.
1: Absolutely, I'm so glad you brought that up because so few doctors happen to know that steroids are are so bad for people with Lyme disease. They actually aggravate Lyme because I guess because they're suppressing your immune system, right? Um, right. So I haven't taken a, I haven't taken a steroid for anything in you know six years. <laughs> yeah.
2: So now, so now you get your, 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 uh, your blood test back. The PCR DNA testing of your blood, looking for the Lyme bacteria, came back negative. The rash is not getting any better from the steroids. What are your next steps with the urgent care doctor? How do you proceed with your diagnosis and treatment at that point?
1: I mean, I really want to just – I actually want to give myself some credit here because I really um, – first of all, I want to say this. I did not know enough about Lyme disease to be afraid. Okay, so what I actually, my initial thought to, to hearing that it was Lyme was, oh, thank God, I'll just take some antibiotics and it will be over. And I was initially so grateful that I did not have another diagnosis of psoriasis, because that's what I was afraid it was, or um, bed bugs. Like, that was my initial reaction, just. giggles here. I was like, thank God I don't have bed bugs. Thank God I don't have psoriasis. I have Lyme disease and I'm just going to take a handful of antibiotics and I'm going to be fine. So at the same time, I decided to just start doing some research because I wanted, because I really wanted to just like get it over and done with as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible and as effectively as possible. So I called up a friend who I knew had had Lyme and she had the, she had a brutal version of Lyme and she, everyone kind of reassured me like you're catching it so early. You're the kind of person who will do really good with antibiotics, you know. Uh, but, but the PCR is not reliable. You need to get an Igenix lab test. So I like got. I started compiling this information. The other piece of information I got was you need to get in with a Lyme literate doctor. So I was seeing Lyme literate doctor, a good, a, a solid course of treatment, and you know, hygienic testing to confirm. So I did go to the dermatologist right away, I don't know, thinking that maybe she could give me some information I could pay out of pocket for her. And she gave me 10 days of doxycycline, and she said, this will treat it. This is the treatment for Lyme disease, 10 days of doxycycline, so you're good. As soon as I took my first doxycycline, my rash started to go away. And I was like, "Oh my God, this is the first thing I've done in two, over two weeks that has made my rash go away." That seems pretty clear to me. So when I got the negative PCR results, I started with everything I had learned. I was on the hunt for a LLMD, a Lyme literate MD, and Igenics testing.
2: Yeah, I think I think Michelle, it's great that you did all this research because. Um, a lot of studies today show that 10 days of doxycycline is not enough to properly treat and eradicate the, the Lyme bacteria, even in the early days. And as you know, you know, Lyme litter doctors are so important these days. And unfortunately, where we are here in Long Island, New York, that we just found out there are literally zero Lyme litter doctors here on Long Island. So I'm curious how, how your, your investigation went and finding a Lyme litter doctor near you. Did you have to travel far? Were there, were there local ones? Did you hear your experience in that regard?
1: It was a nightmare. It was an honest odd nightmare. I I called. I, I'm like such a doer, right? And I like to get things done really quickly and I, I just I just really wanted this process to be over as fast as possible. You know, cut to two years later I'm like in a wheelchair and dying. But I wanted this process to be as fast as possible. So I started calling, like, I, I found a couple of people who had had Lyme disease, and I just started asking for recommendations, and they sent me the LLMD resource. Like, there's, there's a website. I'm not sure. I think it's ILADS, um, where you can yeah, look for an LLMD. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, ILADS, the International Lyme and Associated Diseases website. I, I believe it's ILADS.org. Uh, you can look for a Lyme litter doctor on there. And they're pretty helpful. An actual human response to you, I believe, right, via email with the the local doctors?
1: Yeah. So I did that, and I started calling these doctors. And I was rejected by every one of them. They were either, you know, $1,500 for the first appointment, which I did not have. They were not taking new patients. They were six months out for an appointment. And I would call these places, and I'd be like, I know I have Lyme disease. I have the rash. I know where I got bit. I need to start treatment immediately. And I got turned down by everyone. And it shocked me, and it actually broke my heart. I remember being on, like, the edge of my bed and just crying because I felt so defeated and misunderstood and not heard by the medical profession immediately. I mean, immediately that, that started. So then I finally found a, a naturopathic doctor in San Diego, which was about, like, a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And they were willing to see me. Nicola McFadden was her name, and, and she was willing to see me within, like, I think the next two weeks. And so I drove down there and went to see her. But it was, she was my first doctor, I think, for the first year of illness.
2: Well, so in the end, it, it took you finding a, a natural homeopathic doctor that was about two and a half hours away in San Diego for you to go get the proper treatment you needed to begin your healing journey. That's 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 great. Or or Jackie, did you did you begin your healing journey
0: that way? I mean, it sounds to me from what you just said a minute ago that uh, you were you were wheelchair bound within two years of your illness. So, right. did the uh-huh. medical community really give you any help or or? Um, I actually listened to you. I cheated before this podcast, I listened to your podcast and you had something you said something that I found really moving. Uh, you, you said that when you took uh, healing into your own hands, that's when things changed.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, so like I had said, it's like, it's all really great. They are all really great questions. Like I had said, I wanted this process to be over as fast as possible. When this happened, I was not interested in learning about healing, in learning about Lyme disease, in doing anything natural or holistic. Like I just wanted the antibiotics to set a fire in my body, and I wanted to be done, and I wanted to resume life as quickly as possible. Um, and I, I did. I did start to learn enough about Lyme disease to start to be afraid, but I was so sure, you guys. I was so positive that that just wasn't going to be me. Like, I was going to be the person that did the antibiotics and got well. So I, so my doctor, Nicola McFadgen, she, you know, she's great and, and she's amazing, but she spent the first year with me treating me with antibiotics again and again, and they kept not working. So, like, my first round of antibiotics was three or four different kinds for two months. And I was like, that's sufficient. That's going to be great. And after those two months were over, I felt, we got off of them. I felt really good for about a two weeks. And that was the cycle. Like I get off treatment, I feel good for two weeks, and then I feel worse than I ever felt in the first place. So I got hit with flu-like symptoms after two weeks of being off antibiotics that would not quit and that never turned into the flu, right? So – I, finally, I did more testing with her, and I came back positive again. So we did more antibiotics. And she, like, put me on herbs, but I wasn't super dedicated. I'm still eating gluten. I'm still eating sugar. Like, I just, I just really thought, like, oh, this time we're going to add the intramuscular antibiotic bisoline into the mix, and that's going to do the trick. And then I did that for, like, five months. I did five months of five different kinds of antibiotics, including rifampin for Bartonella. And then when I got off of those, I was feeling good for two weeks. And then I had a relapse like I had never. I got sicker than I ever even knew a human could be. And again, went on antibiotics. Like it just. So I would say that. I would say that that was the beginning of my journey. Yes, um, I learned a lot. And who knows what those antibiotics ended up doing for me? If they did any good, I can't say. Uh, but it was in like November of 2014, almost a year later, that I quit it. I quit all antibiotics, and that's when I took healing into my own hands. And I would say that that's when I actually started to get well, even though I got sicker first.
0: So what what did you do? Um, what did you do differently? than the traditional medical community was offering you after you took control of your healing uh, journey?
1: I did so many things. I started doing this thing called bioenergetic intolerance elimination, uh, which is really interesting, and it basically just redarts your body. That I found supportive. I, I went to Florida and did something called Peptide Shots. I did a fundraiser to raise money to get well. I think the biggest thing I did differently than the medical community was, was telling me to do was start, I started to actually deeply focus on the emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of healing. And I, I tell people all of the time, like, I know, six, I know about six people who are as well as I am today and I know there are so many more, so, so many more, but I happen to know about six people who were as sick as I was and are as well as I am today. And the one, we all did different treatments. There's not a single one of us who had, like, the same protocol. But the one thing that is true for all of us is that we all focused on the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical components. And so I really believe that that is, that is a necessity to heal if you get as sick as I did.
0: Jackie, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, some information we received last night at a seminar we had gone to. There was a a wonderful speaker named Mary Beth Toronto who had uh, trained under
2: uh, Dr. Horowitz,
0: Dr. Richard Horowitz, and uh, she spoke a little bit about, um, about trauma, past trauma, and the impact that past trauma would have on neurological pathways and the, likely, the increased likelihood of getting sick in the first place and having difficulty healing from Lyme disease if you were a victim of past trauma. Was that a part of your journey?
1: <laughs> yes, I would say it was a huge um, overarching part of my journey and continues to be in how I stay healthy today.
0: So yeah. how did, the, how did, how did your, um, your decision to take control of your healing uh, cause you to recognize that the past trauma that you had faced required you to first heal uh, emotionally and physically and spiritually from your past trauma and then take that forward into your healing journey with Lyme?
1: Sorry, are you asking how I kind of discovered that?
0: Yeah, how did, how did you recognize that you needed to do that first, that, you are, that you are, your past traumatic experiences were having an impact on your capacity to heal uh, from, uh, from your Lyme exposure?
1: God, That's a really good question. How did I realize that? Um, you know, I think one of the things that I did was I found the people who got well and I asked them what they did, right? So it kind of clued me in to this idea that healing, when I started really asking other people what they did to get well, you know, it gave me this idea that this is not just a physical job. And then on top of that, I almost feel like, I, I don't know that I that I found it, but that it fell in my lap. I mean, I was having, you know, for your listeners, I just want to say, I was having breakdowns every day. Like every single day, I was having these hysterical breakdowns. I was so deeply depressed and anxious and um, feeling incredible self-loathing, incredible self-blame, you know, and I I couldn't ignore the thoughts I was having related to Lyme disease. Like, they just didn't seem like they were coming from this experience with, with Lyme disease right? These thoughts were there already. Like, if I got sick, they were going to attack me, because they were the foundation to my existence. You know, my self-hatred, my self-blame, that's because I was raised, really, to hate myself and blame myself, right? So those, those were always there. And that's kind of where the adrenaline piece comes in for me. Like, I had to remain so deeply distracted all of the time, so that I didn't really have to go into the pain, that I, that I really felt in my body constantly and the trauma that I endured. So, really, I think that I didn't have an option. Like, I was having these thoughts that made me want to die, actually. And I tell this story a lot, but on one Friday morning at, like, 8 a.m., you know, I was so ill. I was so deeply depressed. I wanted to kill myself. I took a bath a few nights earlier and thought, like, oh, if only I could just, like, disappear into this water. And then I got out of the bath, and I thought, okay, everything's dangerous. Everything in this home is dangerous. The knives are dangerous. The water is dangerous. Like, anything I could do to harm myself, I want to do right now. So I thought, okay, I need to, like, figure this out. So at 8 a.m. one Friday morning, I showed up. I took myself to the Hollywood Mental Health Clinic to save my life, and... I stood in line in Hollywood with Hollywood homeless. It was me and a group of homeless, sick, like just just homeless people hacking up phlegm. Sorry. <laughs> it was it was an awful experience, and at the same time, I knew I couldn't leave because it was the only thing I could do to save my life to make sure that I was safe. And I ended up somebody spotted me in this line, an acquaintance of mine, and he came over and he was like, how you doing there? You all right? And I was like, not really. And he said, like, what do you need? And I was like, I need a, I need a therapist. Like, I need somebody to support me through this journey. And he was like, what insurance do you have? And I had shared with him, I had state insurance at the time, and I couldn't find a therapist in, in state insurance, which is why I was at this clinic. And he said, oh, I have somebody for you. You know, then she does take your insurance. And I called this woman, and she ended up seeing me twice a week for free because that's what my insurance gave me for the next two years. And it saved my life. So anyway, that's how deeply dark it got for me. And I was so – seeing these thoughts and these feelings come up about myself, about my self-worth. Were, were so clearly directly linked to my trauma with my father that, you know, I couldn't, there was no denying it. Like, I didn't even have to do much detective work. So I saw that in order to get well, and I read things like You Can Heal Your Life by Louise, Louise Hay, and I saw that in order to get well, what people that really got well were suggesting was, like, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. And in order to find an access point to love myself, I needed to face why I didn't love myself. And in facing that, I was able to kind of, I started this real honest relationship with my inner child because it was like the only thing that would calm me down. And it was my access point to radical self-care, like care for myself like I was caring for little Jackie, like a little child. So, In healing that, in in starting a communication with my inner child, I started communication with why she was so traumatized, and I started really healing her and reparenting her. Is this making sense?
2: Absolutely.
0: Jackie, you know, I I read my news feed this morning, and um, there was a suggestion that this was going to be a a tear-filled weekend between the Avengers Endgame and the Game of Thrones. I didn't realize that Jackie Shea was going to make me cry today. Uh, well, thank you, thank you for sharing that beautiful story with us. Uh, I, 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 you are making me cry right now. So,
1: um, oh, I'm sorry.
0: So, so tell, me about, tell me about how uh, taking care of Jackie um, put you in a position where you could, um, you could first deal with the traumatic events that you, uh, that you faced, that you so beautifully shared with us. And then, uh, and then you um, you were able to uh, take that next step to uh, healing, healing your line.
1: Yeah. So the inner child work was, was really key, and I, I do a lot of this work with my clients because it it is so key in in radical self care, which is key in healing, in my opinion. So I, so it was like <clears throat> it was like I had this companion in my body. That, ha- that got to tell me again and again what she needed, right? Like, I couldn't take care of myself without seeing myself as this little child that needed things that I could give to her. And the thing was that as a child, my needs just didn't get met, right? They just they rarely, if ever, got met. Um, so, so she was starved, and I had been ignoring her for all of my adult life in this distraction place, right? And so she's just, like, starved for love and for care, for really tender care, for nutritious food, right? Like, suddenly I don't want to keep eating sugar because I want to, like, feed this, this little girl some nutritious food. for, yeah, time and can, for
0: life. can we just stop there? So do you believe that you were physically, emotionally, spiritually vulnerable to the Lyme bacteria and because of that vulnerability, you ultimately had this disease that almost killed you?
1: Okay. So this has two parts, a two-part answer. One is that very few people that get sick with Lyme, as sick as I got, as sick as maybe you, Matt, have gotten, have just Lyme disease right? Like, there's usually another component at play suppressing your immune system. Whether it is heavy metal toxicity, mold toxicity, Epstein-Barr virus, other past viruses, um, trauma, you know, for me, an immune disorder. Like, there are all of these things that come into play that you really need to do some, some digging around. Whether you have the MTHFR gene and you can't detox properly, all of these things are important. So, it's not always trauma. Like, I don't want to say that the only reason I ended up getting that sick was because of this trauma I had, because let me tell you something. My brother has the same trauma, if not more, and he never gets sick, ever, ever, right? Like, he is drunk every day, all day, and, and on drugs and living a very insane lifestyle, and he, I don't think I've ever seen him have a cold. So
0: Well, he also may, yeah. not, he may not have been exposed to uh, a tick bite either.
1: No, absolutely, but like, I I don't, I, I just, I don't know that, that it is the, it's the only thing, so what ended up happening for me was that a year and a half into, into treatment, we found this immune disorder that I have called common variable immune deficiency, which I was likely born with, and that immune deficiency made it so that I, my body could fight Lyme, but it could not detect Lyme, so I was, taking antibiotics for nothing because my body wasn't even detecting what it was trying to kill. Right. So with that diagnosis, I actually started to get much better. So this is where it comes into play that it's like mental, emotional, spiritual and physical, right? Like the physical piece is real. So I found this immune disorder and at the same, so I think that the reason I got so sick is yes, because of trauma, 100%. It did change my brain. Um, It did change my brain, especially my adrenal glands, right? Like there's something about the hormone surge that happens in your body when you are being, when you are in a state of fight or flight for so much of your life. You're being, you know, just overwhelmed with hormones. My adrenal glands were shot. And so all of that is real. My brain, the neural pathways in my brain needed healing, absolutely. This overwhelming depression. I had because of my, you know, inter- my implosion of trauma. All of that stuff suppressed my immune system. And further, I had common variable immune deficiency. So I don't think it's as straightforward as like trauma equals getting really sick with Lyme.
0: So you, you identify all of these challenges, some of which were physiological, yeah. some of which were emotional, some of which were spiritual, and you are able to overcome all of these challenges and heal from Lyme. Uh, one of the things that we're really excited to share with our listeners is you are Lyme-free today, correct? I am
1: Lyme-free today, yes. Yeah. It took okay. time.
0: <laughs> so Now, can you share with us your transformation? So you, you went through this wonderful journey. You, uh, you overcame uh, a great deal of... of, of challenge uh, on so many different levels, and now you're coaching other folks, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. What a crazy thing. So people told me when I was sick that, like, you know, my life was going to change, and I was really determined to keep my life the same. I was really determined, you guys, and Matt, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but I was like, I will not people who were like, you're probably going to end up doing something in health and wellness. And I was like, absolutely not. I will not be that person. I'm going to be done with this disease, and I'm going to go into back into acting, and my whole life is going to be exactly the same as it was when it started. You know, in like yes. months, years were... Yeah, go ahead.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, I, even back from the beginning, I had the same viewpoint you had where I would just take the antibiotics, I'd be cured, and I'd be back to my life, which we both know is not the case. And I did not think that, you know, here I'd be four or five years later working with Rich to, you know, provide Lyme education and awareness to others, which we're just so passionate about now. I never would have thought that. So absolutely, I think we're in the same boat completely.
1: Yeah, and it's like, you know, if I had just let go, if I had just let go and trusted life, trusted the universe that, you know, even if I did change, it was going to be for the better, which was something I just. I could cry talking about it. Like I so deeply did not trust. And I hope
0: you will cry. You, in, you, you, you should be crying, Jackie. You made me cry, so now you have to now you have to uh, <laughs> have your Oprah moment. I know.
1: Cry. I know. I feel like there was such a deep mistrust in my in the universe for me. Like in in life actually being for me, right? Like I just I felt like life was against me. So I didn't trust that even if I did change it would be for my ultimate benefit and I would be thriving and happy and joyful. And so I was still so against it. I just wanted to, to, to stay the same. Right. And so my transformation is, I have like profound in my, I look in the mirror and I'm like, who is this person? You know, my mom said to me the other day, she was like, can you imagine, like, what do you think 15 year old Jackie? Cause I was, I I also was a drunk, like I had had a real alcohol and drug problem as a teenager. And so she was like, what do you think 15-year-old Jackie would think of this you that's like doing this deep spiritual work and (laughs) cares so much about healing? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. My transformation is, I'm so, I have to say I'm so grateful for what Lyme taught me and showed me and the person it made me to be. Like I feel so, such a deep sense of fulfillment in what I do today and I feel like it's exactly right for me and the acting piece is so funny because while I loved acting so so much and I love acting it it really fulfills this this creative itch and you know I'm good at it and I, I love it but there was it always felt like there was this missing piece for me like there was some Little lack of alignment there that just didn't feel right, and that for some reason I just couldn't get behind. And with this, it felt like everything aligned. So well, but, you know, Jackie, I am, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about the art,
0: artistic talents that you possess and the beauty that you are bringing to the various elements of, of, uh, of your coaching. So can, can you just uh, share with our listeners the process that you went through with, uh, and I don't know what the order was, but blogging and podcasting and then uh, Instagram influence and, 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 and your coaching program. Can you give us that, that chronology?
1: Yeah, totally. So the first thing I did, I think that creativity, again, is another huge piece of healing. Um, and I, and I incorporate it with all of my clients, like they need to find a way to be creative with their time. So the first thing I did was I actually picked up my Leica. I had, had been gifted this Leica camera and I was like, I never used it. So I was like, okay, what I'm going to do is when I was very sick, I'm going to take a photo a day for 365 days to basically distract myself and give myself something to do and to produce something in this time that I was bedridden. So I took a picture a day for 365 days and it changed, it changed my life. I cannot express having a creative how important it is to have a creative pursuit while you are sick. And so that was the first thing I did. And then when I was in Indonesia getting ozone therapy, I was freaking out. <laughs> Matt, you you might relate to this, but I was so scared. I remember my best friend was with me and I was telling her, I was like, I am so afraid that I need to like become a naturopathic doctor because I've gone through this experience and now I need to help others and I really don't want to be a naturopath. I was like, I just don't want to do it. I'm like having all this anxiety. And she stopped me and I was very sick. You know, I wasn't going to be doing anything then. She stopped me and she said, "Well, why don't you just do what you're good at and like write a one-woman show about the experience rather than becoming a doctor, which you're not good at." And, no, and no, I no. was like, and I was like, oh, that's such a brilliant, that's such a brilliant idea! Like write a one-woman show about it." So I was still too sick to perform or do anything. So what I ended up doing was starting the blog, which was too sick and naked at the time, and it was a prequel to the one-woman show that I have yet to write um <laughs> some years later so I started this blog I started writing essays every Wednesday and again like the deep support by being felt in having something to create each week you know having something to put my attention on each week that was not illness that was not like um you know, taking herbs and sitting at home, and it was really putting myself out there and being creative was, again, so deeply supportive, and I started to serve people. Like, people started to write to me and be like, oh, I I so relate to that. This is so helpful. And I started to see how good it felt to serve people in that way. And then uh, the coaching piece also kind of fell in my lap because as I was getting better and better, people – people started reaching out to me, friends, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends, to be like, I have Lyme disease, because I'm I'm sure you guys know it's an epidemic. It is just, we are just like a country swimming in Lyme disease. And so I started talking to these people. And in that, at some point, so many people were reaching out that I said, you know, I actually can't do this anymore unless it's a job. And so my friend Eva and I started a a business called Wellness Companions, and um, we started helping people that way. So I'm like doing the blog. I've got Wellness Companions. Nothing's really having traction, but it's like, it's kind of what I want to be doing. And it is, and I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it. And the writing had taken such a, I was on a podcast. And in, in being on this podcast about fear, I thought to myself, like, huh, this seems like fun. You know, and I had, been, I had been writing an essay, a long essay, every week for, like, 16 months. And so I thought to myself, like, it must be easier to podcast. Like, maybe I should just podcast and interview people. And I got so into it, and I taught myself everything. And like you were saying, Rich, like, you listen to my early episodes. They they are not that good, and I just didn't know a lot. And so what I learned but they're is that now, they're
0: now beautiful. They're beautifully done, guys.
1: Thank you. And, and what I learned is that, and you guys might really relate to this, is that podcasting is actually a ton of work. It's so much work. It's actually quite challenging. And I love it. And I loved it. But it was not like easier than writing an essay every week, which I thought it would be. And I'm so glad I ended up doing it. However, that's what it was born out of. Like, I no longer want to write this essay every week. So that was sort of what happened. And then... With the Wellness Companions, it just, like, wasn't getting this traction, but I really wanted to coach people. And what I ended up doing was hiring my own coach to create this business that I, that I visioned for myself. And once I hired my own coach, you know, everything took off for me. Um, that, that's, like, that's the most in a nutshell I can get about it. <laughs> well,
0: I, I, I can tell you that my initial reaction when we came across your Instagram was that it's it's artistically beautiful. The colors are beautiful. The images are beautiful. The way you the way you are I mean you're physically a beautiful woman, but the way you've captured or whoever's taking your photographs have captured you, it's it just beautifully done. Which then took me to your podcast and, and the podcast like your you know like your um, your your Instagram. Uh, is it page, <laughs> uh, Yeah, <laughs> You can all tell I'm old, but, uh, but just like the, the the beauty that's portrayed in your in your Instagram uh, account, uh, I, I found the same in your uh, in your in your podcast. The the the, the imagery um, that you that you develop with your language and your descriptions, beautiful. And I and I think I think that superpower you have from your from your acting. Um, has, has really, uh, I think, lent to uh, a beautiful production uh, in, in all, that you, all that you put into the universe.
1: Mm-mm. I love, um, thank you for saying that so much. I deeply appreciate it and need to hear things like that frequently, so thank you. And also, I just love that you keep using this word, Rich, superpowers. Because everyone has their own, right? Do you guys know about the super better people, the super better creators?
0: No, we, we don't.
1: So there, look look into them. But so anyway, she she basically created like a way to play a game with yourself to get well. I heard,
0: feel I heard you talk about this on. Uh, I'm sorry, Jack. I did hear you talk about this on your on your podcast, but please share that with our listeners.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. I can't remember. Her name is Jane, and I can't remember her last name. And the company and the program is called Super Better. And she was a gamer, and she got really um, ill or injured, and she was bedridden for a period of time. And so she created a game system, a gaming system, to uh, essentially, like, beat chronic illness, to, like, beat the demons. And um, it's really awesome and cool. And, you know, a big thing in that is, like, superpowers. Right, Like, what's your superpower and how to use them to beat, the, to beat the demon? And so I do, I think it's really important for people to, to find their superpowers, you know, and in, in, whatever, in whatever place and to create their own superpowers. Like, my relationship with my inner child became a superpower for me to beat the demon. You know, taking a photo every day became a superpower for me. Um, and so I love that you keep using that word.
0: Well, just so I can give you my, my definition of superpower. Superpower is any power that God has given you that you decide to use to help other people. And that's why I'm calling your power superpowers, because you are helping so many people. You're a wonderful young woman. I, I've been blessed to uh, listen to you during the course of this last week, and, uh, and Matt and I have both been blessed to uh, have this interview with you. So you're, um, you're doing great work. You are one of our superheroes. I shared with you on the pre-roll you're one of our mentors, and, uh, and we thank you for all that you're doing for everyone in the Lyme community and um, in the community of the chronically ill, because you are also working with many other folks who are not just, um, not just chronically ill from Lyme disease but other illnesses, and, uh, I, and I thank you for doing uh, that work for, for all of us.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you so much for the work you guys are doing. It's
0: beautiful. So, so Jackie, I'm going I'm to, uh, for our listeners, thank you, Jackie Shea, for this great interview. I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot based on how you got started uh, on your Lyme disease journey and how you learned to use um, so many of your superpowers to help you through your situation and will help us through their situation. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your experiences so graciously. So, to our listeners, we have our call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Jackie Shea, this young, wonderful young woman, and the coaching opportunities that she offers, I strongly urge you to subscribe to her podcast, Healing Out Loud. I also urge you to visit her at her Instagram site, uh, Shea.Jackie, and I also urge you to visit her at her website, uh, JackieShea.com. Secondly, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, don't forget to subscribe to the show, to our show on iTunes to get the automatic uh, episode updates for our Tick Camp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and a rating on iTunes. Uh, this is an effort um, that we're asking you to make on our behalf because we want to create a show that you would like to listen to. Uh, We make it a point to review and uh, read every one of your reviews. So thank you uh, for listening. I'm Rich Johanneson, Matt Sabatello. And this is TickBootCamp.com.